Hey everybody, so today I have Melody Lee on the podcast, but before we talk about that, I just want to say thank you for supporting me. Thank you for listening to the podcast and um, giving it a shot. I'm going to try to continue to be better as a host and uh, make sure that these podcasts are as interesting and uh, exciting for you to listen to as I feel that they are. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to do the best that we can. To give you a little bit of a, of an update uh, about me, I'm still in the middle of my enemy 60. I did 60 days, no alcohol, no grains, no sugar, no dairy. Uh, it's been now 31, di- no, 32 days. I believe today's the fifth. Yep, today's the fifth. So that would be 32 days that I've been on my uh, no more excuses, 60-day uh, diet cleanse way of life. Probably not. Uh, the 60 days for me is intended to be a reset. Um, it's been going great. I've lost about 17 pounds. I went from about 215. I've been fluctuating up and down from 197 to 199 to 198, back and forth. So somewhere around there. And it's been going really, really well. Uh, I've gone out several times. I was out at the UFC fight uh, to watch um, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor go at it. Epic fight uh, over at Fado's. Didn't have a drink, had three cups of coffee. Just went out last night with a lot of my friends, and uh, it was fine. Everybody drank. I did not. I had a great time. Nobody made a big issue of it. Um, Everybody else ate, you know, like you normally would when you go out. I ate a kale and romaine salad with uh, a skirt steak. Uh, and the whole point is not to not to say, look at what I did. The point is to 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 let you guys know that it's possible. I, I hear so often from people that I just can't do that. I can't give up alcohol. I can't not drink when I go out, and I can't not drink or I'm sorry, eat uh, the way that I like to eat when I go out. And that's just you know, it's a bunch of crap. You can, you absolutely can. It's just a matter of deciding that you're gonna do it or not. Um, I know where you're coming from because I've been there, but I promise you, you can do it. It's really not that difficult. It's a matter of deciding that you want it because you know that you do and saying that anything outside of leading towards your goal is is unacceptable. And when you can make that decision, it all becomes so very, very simple. I promise you, you can do it. Stop making excuses for yourself. Stop telling yourself why you can't do it. And just hunker down and say, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to do. No exceptions, no excuses. Let's go. Let's get it done. After my 60 days are done, I'm going to evaluate where I am. I'll probably take a cheat day. I might take two cheat days. I don't know. Um, And then get back on it. Part of me is thinking about going all the way to October 31st to Halloween. Uh, I don't know. But I know that before I get there, I have to establish a plan so that I don't go buck wild and nuts and go on a two-week binge uh, because that would defeat the purpose. I do want to give myself a chance to eat some of the foods that I really desperately miss. Um, You know, even as a a health advocate and a health professional, a fitness professional, I still love some of the foods that aren't good for us. You know, I I love Tiff's treats. I love Amy's ice cream. I miss P. Terry's, all local Austin businesses. I freaking love them, and I miss them dearly. But 
to say that those are foods that are healthy for me and that I should be happy having every single day? Uh, probably not, right? But I do miss them. So I'd like to have a cheat day or two to have some of those foods that I miss very much, but I got to get my ass back on the horse as quickly as possible so that I don't allow the same cycle that has happened before uh, to reoccur. That cycle of I've lost 15 pounds, let me gain it right back. I've lost seven pounds, let me gain it right back. Oh, well, why did that happen? Well, it was a special occasion. You know, it was a, there was a wedding. I had to drink. I had to eat like shit. Oh, my friend came out of town, uh, came in from out of town, so I have to get drunk with him. It has to happen because he's in from out of town. Um, you know, it, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason uh, to do that, to treat your body like crap. I challenge you to find reasons to treat your body the way that it's supposed to be treated, you know, and you'll you'll be surprised. I have a countless amount of clients and you all know who you are, <laughs> but I think are surprised by the fact that they have worked for so long and see very little in terms of results and, and don't realize that if your diet is not on point, there's very little that you can do in terms of training. They have to both be happening at the same time. They just they just have to. You can't come into the gym, work your ass off, burn 400, 500 calories, uh, getting in a really good workout, sometimes even more depending on what the workout is. I know I don't want to hear anything about what I just said. P people are way too damn sensitive about information, but you get what I'm saying. You can't come in and get a workout um, and feel like you're accomplished and then leave immediately to go have margaritas and chips and queso and salsa and uh, freaking a shots and all of that and just and just feel like well I worked out today so clearly none of the calories that I'm consuming count anymore because I worked out earlier this morning and I think that that is an attitude that uh, occurs uh, all too often it's it's pretty prevalent so definitely something that needs to needs to change in your life and in my life and I'm trying to do the best uh, to show you a good example and I hope that at the end of my 60 days um, I can show you the fruits of my labor we shall see maybe I'll go 90 days so moving on uh, today like I mentioned earlier uh, I am going to introduce you to Melody Lee Melody Lee is a psychotherapist she's a all-around freaking awesome human being. I could not have been happier to have Melody on the show because um, she just provides a really awesome, I can't explain it any other way. It's just really freaking cool to hear her talk about relationships, to hear her talk about her experience in pursuing her business and uh, her love. She's a psychotherapist at the Austin Counseling Collective. She's also a writer and photographer at Gourmet Fury. You can find her at GourmetFury.com. That's F-U-R-Y. You can also follow, follow her or find her at MelodyFury.com. That's M-E-L-O-D-Y-F-U-R-Y.com. And obviously, you can find her as well at her counseling website, which is MelodyLee.com, M-E-L-O-D-Y-L-I.com. Melody I met at the Eastside Austin Elite in on 7th Street here uh, in Austin. Uh, I met her through a friend of mine, Mario, that uh, brought me to that gym, and I met a lot of really freaking awesome people there, and Melody was one of them. She... Um, 
was a really, really freaking cool girl. And all I knew about her at the time was that she was a little ball of dynamite. I mean, she freaking gets after it in that in that uh, box. And um, and she was always a really, a really kind person to me. And uh, over time, I got to know a little bit more about her, found out that she was in school and working towards uh, this counseling career. And she graduated and here she is. She went after her own business. Um, she got together with a bunch of other uh, counselors and created the Austin Counseling Collective. And she brought uh, a lot of her perspectives on relationships, her experience in working with people that are going through divorce, um, which is something I've really wanted to talk about because as a newly married man, it is something that terrifies me, the concept of um, falling out with your spouse and then potentially um, going through that process. I cannot imagine being a happier man right now with my wife. Um, I am the luckiest guy in the world, but it also, uh, it definitely frightens me and I want to do everything that I can to avoid that uh, potential problem down the road. So getting her insight was certainly helpful to me. So she talks about pursuing her dreams, her goals and her ambitions. We talk about success versus happiness and um, micro injuries that can potentially lead to divorce. We even get into the topic of sex. Uh, we talk a little bit about pornography. This is a conversation that just was spread wide open and we left it. We, le we just let it go wherever the hell it went. And I really like the way it came out. I hope you enjoy it too. I know that I need to correct a few things with the audio. Um, if you'll just pay attention and, and you'll notice that Melody's volume is a little bit lower than mine. That was a mistake that I made with the uh, microphone setup. I'll make sure and get that corrected in the future. But believe me, it is worth it to turn up the audio and listen to what she has to say. Um, she is a fantastic, fantastic person and a great professional. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you. Here we go. Melody Lee. This is it. We're going to get going. So, Melody, thank you for being here uh, with me today. This is um, officially the second podcast that I've done. So I started this, and you asked me just a second ago that you wanted to ask me why I started this. Mm -hmm. It's really simple. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing personal training. You know that recently. Yes. Uh -huh. And I listened to a lot of podcasts. And I was saying this on the last um, podcast that I did where I just kind of rambled on for a while that I started realizing that I like podcasts more than music. Like I like listening yeah. to people that have really interesting perspectives mm -hmm. and learning about issues from around the world that I have or had no idea about. Sure. Um, and it's just been really cool. I listened to a couple of different ones. Have you ever listened to an NPR podcast called Embedded? Embedded by any chance? Yet. There's another one called Serial. Uh -huh. And there's also the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm -hmm. And these shows, I mean, mm -hmm. they... They're riveting. They have you by the edge of your seat every time you listen to these stories about people from all over the world, things you never knew about. And I listened to them so frequently that I thought to myself, you know, it'd be really cool to do a podcast to reach out to people here in the Austin area and then potentially anywhere else in the world, you know, anybody that wants to listen, but to talk to people about just general wellness, self-improvement, um, to talk to them about nutrition and diet and fitness. Mm -hmm because I work with people on a daily basis and, it, and it's becoming obvious that 
there are just a lot of misconceptions and more than anything there's a lot of um, there's a lot of learning to do for lots and lots of people um, I work with all different ranges young I work with some old people I work with some middle-aged people I work with people that are really fit I, I work with some people that have a long long way to go mm -hmm. um, and I can relate to that because I think I've been out of shape my whole entire life you're and kidding well yeah I mean I've always been a fat boy that's why the <laughs> podcast is called baby fat because um, I think I've made that excuse my whole life oh it's just baby fat you know mm. it's just baby fat that's the way I'm supposed to be that's the way my body's supposed to be mm. but I've since becoming a trainer I've looked back and realized that it's for a lot of reasons culturally uh, Mexicans don't tend to eat the healthiest foods. Mm. It's probably the most delicious food on the planet, <laughs> but sure. healthy, not really. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> and I had to just kind of come to terms with the fact that it's not baby fat. It's, it's the fact that I eat poorly, I drink too much, mm. and uh, I, I overindulge. And I think most of us and most of the people that I work with have the same issue, is they don't realize, or we don't realize often, how bad some of the food we are putting into our system is and that we're doing it way too frequently. Sure, or if we do know, mm -hmm. we pretend we don't know. Exactly. But we ignore it. <laughs> yeah, we ignore it. I think that's probably, uh, yeah, that's probably the, the, the most true statement that you could say is there are days where you just look at what you're about to eat and you know mm -hmm. this is a bad choice, but it's just so damn good. I know. So you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's why I decided to do this. I thought, man, I know a lot of really interesting people that I meet at the gym, people that I train and people that I just meet from time to time. And I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll be fun and maybe I can find people that can be interesting for me. I certainly um, can try, but I started thinking about lots of different people that I could invite to come and speak. And we've talked a lot in the past about your experience, your work experience. I had told you that I'd be interested in you being in the podcast and I know like our schedule was very difficult to kind of line up. And now we're finally here. We made it work. Yeah. And I actually, I did some, I, I looked you up specifically because I wanted to find out some more information about you. And I'm My goodness. more <laughs> and more interested in your story. The more and more that I find information about you, um, not only did I see on your page that you're a psychotherapist and you work, um, is it a, tell me about that. Is it a family, uh, psychology center or what is that? Sure. I actually co-founded mm -hmm. Austin Counseling Collective. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my co-founder Sam and I started that up, um, mm -hmm. earlier this year and we are essentially just a group of like-minded therapists that want to serve, um, people to help them, um, grow and to stretch and to become healthier mentally, emotionally, and, socially and mm -hmm. relationally as well of course the physical component comes in and we trust you know experts like you mm -hmm. but we all specialize in a different area of mental and relational mm -hmm. wellness um i myself uh, i myself um work with individual adults and couples and so those are my two uh, populations and i i guess my clients also define my practice and so i would say majority of my work right now is couples therapy mm -hmm. sounds like a stress-free <laughs> job like absolutely zero stress <laughs> that uh yeah that sounds that sounds like a, a huge undertaking you said like-minded um therapists what do you mean by that sure and so um, austin counseling collective is founded on three principles mm -hmm. 
um, if I could name them right now after having some wine, hey, you know. We've got the internet. I can just look them up. No One is um, advocacy. Mm -hmm. So we have a heart to advocate for um, causes and people that may not necessarily advocate for themselves. For mm -hmm. example, people struggling with different mental illnesses mm -hmm. or uh, minority groups. So we strategically put ourselves in um, East Austin because we see a lot of that need. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, all of the therapists there do work on a sliding scale basis on top of just private pay um, for clients that may not otherwise be able to afford mental health services, wow. for example. that's amazing. Yeah, and it's something that I feel very strongly about. Um, I feel very strongly that uh, financial barriers should not prevent someone from accessing mental health care. Yeah. Um, the second one is um, diversity. Diversity is something that <coughs> we value very much. Um, you'll see the, the therapists that work there, we ourselves are very diverse <coughs> in terms of gender, experiences, um, culturally, and um, I myself, in my practice, I my slogan is um, non-judgmental therapy for mm -hmm. outside the folks, people, and couples. And so I, I have a desire to work with people that don't feel like they quite fit in. Um, or that they, they don't fit in socially, like in their circles or just in their homes? I guess all of the above. Yeah, anything. Um, they might, you know, I think mm -hmm. we all have a part of us that desires to fit in. Um, but there are also parts of, parts of us that we really want to honor and not let go of. Mm -hmm. And say, this is what makes me unique and distinct. And I really want to bring that to the surface and honor that. Um, but a person might say, for example, I have two parts of me that are contradictory. They don't quite fit. I could be a gay Christian, mm -hmm. for example. Right. I could be um, a female breadwinner. And that doesn't fit in my culture. Right. Um, I could be, you know, a young person that has um, seen and experienced way more than my peers have. I don't quite fit in. I've experienced a lot of trauma. And so whatever that, that part that says, I don't quite fit in, I want to find a place where it's open and accepted, um, I want to be that place for them. And it's just uh, come as you are. That is really cool. And you... I, you, you're talking about this, and I can't help but think about, and they're going to listen to this, of course. I'm not going to say anybody's names, but I, <laughs> I can't help but think about a lot of uh, the clients that I work with. It's, it's really interesting being a personal trainer. This is another reason why the podcast came to be, is I have no expertise, and I don't give any advice necessarily or anything, but you listen a lot. And you have clients that you see on an hourly basis mm -hmm. every day or every other day. Mm -hmm. And you get really close to these people. Absolutely. And you get to know a lot about their lives and a lot about what's going on, um, their stress, their happiness, their joys, their successes, their failures. Mm -hmm. They tell you a lot because they get to know you really well. And a lot of the times, and I don't want to downplay the um, importance uh, or the you know, the difficulty of, of obtaining your degree and your education. But a lot of the times I feel like a psychologist, like I feel oh, like definitely. I'm helping this person through uh, a really difficult time. And I don't really, you know, I don't really know necessarily what to say to them a lot of the yeah. times, but I feel like just listening to them helps a lot definitely. just for them to verbalize what they're mm -hmm. feeling and get it out. Um, they seem to leave with kind of, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a lighter sense of themselves and of course they're they're getting a lot of the stress out in the workout as mm -hmm. well but 
Absolutely. But I definitely feel that way mm-hmm. um, when I'm there with my clients. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And there's listening and there's listening well. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you listen well if people leave feeling better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess the science behind that is everybody has some fun- foundational needs. We all have a need to be understood. Mm-hmm. We all have a need to be accepted. And we all have a need to belong. That's how we're wired as humans. And when some of those needs aren't met, then people don't react well to that. And so for you to provide a place where they, you know, they're accepted, no matter what fitness level or what kinds of um, challenges that they bring in, and they know that they're understood and they're heard and that they belong, that you accept them, um, that is is a gift. Right. I, I... try to do the best that I can. I, like I said, j- much like putting together this podcast, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But uh, <laughs> who says you have to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess it. I guess it's going pretty well. I mean, most of most of the clients that I've had, I feel like have have had a lot of success. Um, but we all we all have our struggles, and um, they seem to be, be cyclical. You know, we mm. we go through these moments where we're just on an upward path and I see my clients and myself, we're just climbing towards something and everything's going great, great, Mm -hmm. great. And they're like progress and hey, I lost two pounds. Hey, I got a promotion at work and I'm happy for them. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're, you're just, everything's going great. And then, um, I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but something happens in all of us where we hit a lull. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. complacency. Maybe it's just bad luck. I don't know. But, um, it seems to head back down and it's sure. trying to remind trying to remind people myself uh, my family my clients whoever that i think that that's just kind of nature right mm. we just go through these up and down patterns and you just have to keep trudging along and, sure. and marching forward and and trying to do the best to, to maintain your happiness and your mm-hmm. sanity more than anything um, yeah, and it depends on how you want to look at it. Some people would say that's equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So when the pendulum swings one way, it's inevitably going to swing back the other way, but there's going to be a little dip in between. Mm-hmm. And it's about saying, okay, I realize I'm in the dip, but I'm going to keep climbing. Because mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll get swung out of it eventually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep rising up on the other end. Um, you know, on a, I guess I, I have my clinical hat on a lot of times, and... And I, yeah, it pains me to say, but uh, sometimes for some people, um, success is scary. And so for some people, um, a pattern of self-sabotage could happen as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. uh, Did I earn this? Am I worthy of the success? What can I do to sabotage myself? Because Mm -hmm. that's a safer place to be. Right. That's where I'm used to being. Uh It's it's much more comfortable. comfortable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's much more comfortable. Um, It's scary. I I Mm -hmm. think... You know, I remember, um, you know, coaching football and, um, you know, you have football players or you have athletes in general that a lot of the times I've, I found the same in them. And even in my in my clients and my mm-hmm. members, mm-hmm. it's it's this fear of putting everything you've got into something yes. and saying, you know what, I'm going to invest myself wholeheartedly in this goal and I'm going to give it everything I've got. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason that people sometimes are afraid of doing that is because they don't want to know that they could put all of that in and still potentially fail. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And it's almost like they would rather pretend like they don't care mm-hmm. 
or they'd rather pretend that it doesn't really matter to them that mm -hmm. much because that way if they happen to fail it's almost like we have this automatic fail safe where yep. we could say well i didn't care i wasn't yep. even trying absolutely whereas if you put everything you've got into something and you are emotionally physically mentally whatever you want to call it invested and you fail it's almost devastating sure and all of a sudden you actually have something to lose mm -hmm. and that's scary for people hell yeah mm -hmm. it's very I scary that. i i'm really curious where you know i'll be in the next five years it is definitely very scary this is a new career path for me i feel like i'm all over the place all the time mm -hmm. i have the personal training uh business that i'm i'm doing right now i'm doing this podcast because i think it would be it, it's going to be great i'm having a lot of fun doing it right now i can't wait till i get into you know baby fat podcast number 250 yeah. we're at number two right uh -huh. now so that's well, exciting yeah <laughs> yeah and you're hopefully going to be back plenty of time so that. that'll be fun but it is scary because um, I feel almost like I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm. I love what I'm doing. I love training. I love working with people. I love doing this podcast. I love everything that I'm involved in. But it is also scary from a financial standpoint. You start yeah. wondering, do I care more about doing things that I love or do I care more about doing things that are going to make me a lot of money and that are going to financially put m my wife and I and my potential future children in a good place. Mm -hmm. Those are all scary things, but all I ever try to focus on is doing whatever I'm doing to its maximum potential. Yes. Um, so that's mm -hmm. the only way that, that I was taught to do things. I hope that it leads in, in the right direction. Absolutely. And I think we live in a culture <coughs> excuse me, that tells us we can't have it all. We mm -hmm. have to choose. We have to choose financial success or to pursue our passions but that's a myth mm -hmm. um, there is truth behind the fact that if you pursue your passion with you know you can be true to yourself and say I'm putting all I've got into this mm -hmm. and I am willing to hear feedback I am open-minded for different avenues will it, will around it, that. willing to evolve more yeah. than anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think and that that's a big one and grow mm -hmm. then Who's to say that financial success can't come? And you're absolutely right. I have this battle with myself almost every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, just recently I was talking to myself and to my wife about potentially going and getting my MLO license because I was thinking about getting into uh, mortgages and selling mm -hmm. um, you know, mortgages and homes. And, and I just thought, you know, there's a lot of money in there. There's a lot of financial security there. And I just started thinking to myself, you know, I have like God knows how many... Um, health and wellness, fitness certifications. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to think that I'm pretty freaking good at what I do. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking to myself, why don't I just keep being really freaking good at what I do? And eventually Absolutely. it'll just take me in the right place. You know, I'll Definitely. be an expert in that field and I'll be highly sought after if I just market myself well. Why don't I just focus, focus my energy on being the best at what I do? And everything will take care of itself. Sure, absolutely. Um, and it's just hard sometimes to mm -hmm. listen to that whatever person mm -hmm. that's speaking to you in the back mm -hmm. of your head that's saying, listen, I know the way, just trust me. Mm -hmm. But here on the exterior, th you're thinking almost panicked. You know, I need to do something. I, I need something better. I need something bigger. Um, and hopefully I can listen and just stay the path. Yeah, stay true to you. Mm -hmm. And with any big name that we know, say in music or 
in athletics or in art. You don't you get have, to see their journey. No, you just and they see, have to strive yeah. to be the best. Mm -hmm. and, and you just see the cool goal. stuff. You just mm -hmm. see the shoe deal. You see right. their huge success. Oh, well, you know, they chose to be a superstar, so it happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't see all of those days in the morning that they went out to train in the morning to power clean and <laughs> you know <laughs> overhead yeah. squat or whatever the <laughs> whatever the movement was yeah. they were working their ass off yes. to get to where they are and that's why they are where they are but they stuck they stuck the path mm -hmm. in those moments where i'm sure many especially in particular athletes and artists um um musicians mm -hmm. um actors and actresses that probably slept in their car mm -hmm. you know because they didn't have money to pay for rent or slept at a friend's house or on the couch or whatever whatever crazy situation it was um they stuck the path and they they made it i have a lot a tremendous amount of respect for people that decide to themselves and say you know what i'm i don't care i'm gonna give up everything i've got my apartment my car whatever it is and and i'm gonna move to la and i'm gonna go be an actor mm -hmm. and i'm gonna wait tables and i'm gonna freaking do it I've had friends that have done it. Yes, me too. And um, I've had conversations with friends that know those friends mm -hmm. that will kind of snicker and laugh and they'll say, dude, she's crazy or he's crazy. I can't believe they're doing that. That's sure. so dumb. They're, they've been a waiter for like a year. And I'm thinking, man, that takes so much freaking guts. Yeah, a lot of courage. And I cannot be more impressed by a person that, mm -hmm. that says, you know what? F it. I'm mm -hmm. going. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And they live that life. That's some tough that's some tough shit yeah <laughs> and i easy. mean on the other hand there's somebody that's pursuing their passion looking at somebody that is making a lot of money but are is miserable mm -hmm. and they are at work 80 hours a week they mm -hmm. have no family life and they would go you're crazy mm -hmm. why are you doing that why are you um why are you dying in why the are you sacrificing so yes. much for the financial dollar yeah so you know, and i've started to realize that um when i first started uh, training, I was working from like my 5 a.m. to like 8.30 p.m. every day, every day, including Saturday and then sometimes some Sundays. Wow, that's a lot. It was just in freaking sane mm -hmm. busy. And uh, man, I just started getting so, Angelina and I call it uh, being disconnected from one another. Yes. You, you could feel it. Of course. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like we're just drifting in and mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. There's uh, not that like, I don't want to say that there's not that love, but there's not that... Um, Connection? emotional connection yeah. right and and we she'd have to sit me down sometimes and we have these talks about hey like i'm not feeling very connected right now like mm -hmm. we need to spend something we need to figure something out so mm -hmm. that we can kind of reconnect and 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 feel each other you yes, know absolutely so i've been very fortunate because recently i've been able to to cut back a lot on my hours and and get here at a more reasonable time because mm -hmm. that was not only for the relationship but just for me physically man absolutely draining mm -hmm. and more than anything there is no amount of money that somebody could pay me to just skip out on spending time with my wife and with my family good for you um it just it just doesn't it doesn't work mm -hmm. you think that it does mm -hmm. but once you start really feeling it take about a month month and a half when you really are barely ever seeing your spouse mm -hmm. um, and then you just start realizing man this is just it's not even worth it's it not it's not even it. close to being yeah. worth it but it's tempting for a lot of people mm -hmm. I guess everybody has a price maybe <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
so tell me, it, this must have been all kind of scary for you, I would imagine. When I met you, uh, I met you at uh, Eastside Austin Elite. Yes. I met you at the CrossFit gym. That's and right. you were busting ass in there. Always. Throwing weight up I over your head. Am. I know you still are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we probably met more specifically through, uh, through Mario, a good friend of ours mm-hmm. uh, that works out there. Mario was actually the person that told me to go to EAE because I'd thrown out my back and it had been a while since I'd been working out. And he just yeah. kept raving about EAE mm-hmm. and Katie mm-hmm. um, and going to go to that morning class with him. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go check it out. Uh, definitely not that excited or <laughs> or I was very skeptical, skeptical sure. in particular about CrossFit. Yeah. Um, just that the amount of volume and repetitions, I just mm-hmm. thought it would be too dangerous. And I've realized now over the years since I began training and became CrossFit certified myself and, and working with tons of different health and fitness professionals that it really just comes down to the coach that you're working with. Uh, yes. It really, it almost, it makes not it almost works. always, always. Yes comes down to that coach Mm -hmm. what coach do you have um how are they paying attention to the details Mm -hmm. of that workout are they making sure that they're prioritizing your health over i think uh, an impulse that a lot of trainers have which is man i'm gonna i'm gonna freaking kill them today you know i'm gonna freaking murder your body Mm -hmm. you're gonna be you're gonna leave here dead Mm -hmm. and every time trainers say that to me and i'm in their in their presence i always think to myself man that is to me the like the telltale sign for me of the worst type of trainer that you can have when you have just that goal of saying i'm going to murder you in terms of you know your your mm-hmm. your physical body um that's terrible because there's so much more to to fitness there's so much more to health than to just go into a workout and completely destroy your body there is a time and place i think for that and i think it happens but when it is your goal day in and day out i think anybody can do that i mean anybody i could ask somebody down the street <laughs> to write a workout that is going to be the most difficult workout ever and they would just you know they'd run you into the ground but there's yeah. not a lot of purpose behind it absolutely and i think we were really lucky uh both you and i to have a, a coach like katie i think katie was fantastic Katie's amazing. and i learned so much from that girl yes um, absolutely. and she without a doubt made me a much much better coach because i there were a lot of things that i was very good at but there was a lot of shit that i did not know <laughs> Um, you know, in particular, how to break down a movement, how to teach somebody mm-hmm. how to do a movement. There's a lot to be said about those, uh, I don't want to say those people, but people that are really good at, at doing movements like power cleaning or overhead squats. Knowing how to do them yourself doesn't mean that you can teach them. Yeah. And they're really difficult to mm-hmm. teach sometimes if you don't know all of the cues. And they just say, do what I do. It's do, like, yeah, well, exactly. okay. And, yeah. And, oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> I had a when, coach like that. Yeah. Do this. Do this and do it better. Yeah. It's okay. like, what, yeah, what is like, Okay, so you grab the bar and then, uh, and then you do this. Yeah. Oh, okay, like that. Gotcha. I understand now. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, that was a great experience and, um, and you've, been, you've been killing it ever since. Uh, you and uh, I haven't, well, I don't go to the morning classes anymore, but I haven't been able to keep, to keep in touch with Mario. So I'm going to have to give him a call. We're still working out together. Yeah, he's still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, Mario, that guy just brings a smile to my face. He's <laughs> such a funny dude. Yeah, he's lovely. So I'm going to have to bring him on the show one of these days so everybody can kind of meet him too. But yes. it must have been scary for you. When I met you, I think... Um, I was probably in school. You were still huh? in school then. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that you were still in school. Mm-hmm. And so what? at what point did you decide that you were going to do this? We, we've been talking this whole show yeah. about going after... 
you know, your dream. Sure. And I'm assuming that this is, you're living it right now. I mean, this is I gotta am. be it, right? I am, I am. And at what point, I guess, earlier on in my journey, I was an educator. So, um, but at some point I realized, you know, I, I especially have a heart for at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. And so I work with a lot of teens and adolescents. And at some point I realized that the issue isn't with the teenager. There's nothing wrong with them, broken about them, mm-hmm. but a lot of it just stems from family issues. And, but the issue with being an educator is I had no access to their family. And so that's when the light bulb switch, it's, I need to access these families. And so that kind of drove my desire to get my degree in counseling, um, specifically for family and marriage therapy. And it wasn't an easy decision um, going back to school, you know, just the whole process, like fearing rejection from schools mm-hmm. and having to put myself out there and the questions of, you know, is this the right thing for me? Is it worth the investment? Is it I was going to say the investment, not only financially, but mm-hmm. your time. Um, those are the toughest ones mm-hmm. because you don't know. Ultimately, you, you're going to school for an education. You don't know whether that education is going to pay off the way that you intend it to. And that's that's a scary that's a scary ass thing to do, it plain is. and simple. And I mean, fortunately, I have a very supportive partner that um, just validated the fact that he believes I'm meant to do this, and he could see that. And I've had other friends and colleagues that are just like, we can't see you doing anything different. So um, it was a leap of faith, and then I applied to schools, and then um, after like throughout grad school, it's just. I just had my head down, you know, work my job during the day and then went to night classes. And um, like I said, again, very supportive partner. So I would come home from from work and then he would have dinner ready. So I can can eat and then go to class. Mm. And Mm. I don't know, like, I think he had, he, he. Dude knows what he was doing. He does. (laughs) And at the same time, he actually, I think he merits half of my degree. He did half of the work by supporting Mm. me through it. And so I am privileged because I'm able to have somebody that would support me through this journey, um, absolutely emotionally, physically, being understanding that there are times when I'm just going to be dead tired. Um, but then there's no looking back. And then there's always a what, what's next, right? There's school, and then there's licensing, and then it's the big decision to start my own practice. And that was, that was definitely a leap of faith because people do all different things they would um, some people work really well in agencies some people would um, you know work in schools communities and then I just had this vision for Austin Counseling Collective and I'm like okay I if not now when and I have a had a supervisor then that was very supportive and just said don't get distracted if you want to start a private practice you want to start your own counseling collective and just focus on that. Don't distract yourself with part-time jobs and other things. Focus on that because, like, kind of what you're saying. Man, I was just thinking the, the same thing. That, Be the and, freaking best, and, and it, it's gonna it, happen. And it will come. You know, and this movie, this movie happened um, years ago. I'm gonna get some more wine here. <laughs> um, wine break. <laughs> this uh, movie happened a long time ago, and I I go back to it all the time because it made perfect sense. Field of Dreams. Do you remember Field of Dreams? Hmm. 
sure if I recall. It was Kevin Tell Costner, about it. and you. it was, uh, I don't know if I could give it a, a fair enough synopsis, because it's been a long time since I've watched it, but essentially it's Kevin Costner and his wife, they move out to a farm somewhere in Iowa or something like that, and, <laughs> and they... Um, they start hearing or seeing these apparitions of ghosts that are telling them to uh, uh, build essentially a, a baseball field. And they don't actually oh see yeah. anything, but they, they're hearing it, I believe, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. And it's the famous line, if you build it, they will come. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And uh, I always think about that because it's a classic movie mm-hmm. that I never forget, but I feel that way about our goals and our dreams. If you just, if you just build it, people will come to it. Mm-hmm. And I've recently been thinking about that. When I started questioning whether I wanted to do the MLO license, I thought, dude, just be a badass trainer. Just be like the best freaking fitness program Mm -hmm. that you can possibly be and and head there. Yep. There's a... Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that that's what I do with Mm -hmm. the whole MLO thing. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm in a hurry to want to build this financial savings empire, I guess. I don't know how to think about it, but... I want that sense of security, so it's I want shortcuts. Net. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want shortcuts. I want to hurry up and get there when, mm-hmm. when I know that I'm really good at what I do. Yes. And so I think to myself, why not just build, why not just build um, a training center, like a training center somewhere, mm-hmm. build a really small yeah. one, you know, and then, and then build it somewhere else in Austin and have multiples of them. Why not do that? Because there is no shortage of people that want to get fit and want to get healthy and that want to change their lives that's one thing i've i've realized above all else Mm -hmm. there are infinite amount of people that need to change the way that they live or shall we say mostly everyone Uh, yeah exactly everyone (laughs) because there's nobody yeah exactly there's nobody that cannot benefit it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a good business model Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. and it's there and i think that sometimes i just need to sit down focus on that and say you know build it go for it Mm -hmm. and and get it done and you did it i mean you Mm-hmm. are continuing to do it. And I'm sure there are tons of challenges. Absolutely. But would you agree or would you say that it was and has been worth it? It's very rewarding. And all of the initial, you know, skepticisms and, and really it's skepticism towards myself, right? And um, about um, my worth as a new therapist. Um, you are your own worst enemy at times, I feel like. It can be. And I just have to speak back to it. Mm-hmm. And and to say, you know, I'm just going to be the best therapist that I can be, and I'm going to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's scary for some people. Like, this theme of this thread of scariness is right. weaving through our our conversation. But um, I guess I, through other life lessons, I have learned to be comfortable with putting myself out there. Right. Um, this, isn't, this also isn't my first business. It's my second business. Mm-hmm. And through those experiences, I learned... Just be brave, be bold, put yourself out there, and the people that are going to want to work with you are going to come. Right. Um, the people that don't want to work with you or think there's something wrong with you, well, they're going to find someone else, mm-hmm. and that's for the best. Right. And so, like, for my website, putting myself out there and just saying, you know, I'm not going to give you the average, um, this is about me, but it's just saying, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Do you want to work with me? If yeah. so, great. If not, then I'm not the best fit for you anyway, right. so let's not force this. Right. And through that, I've just drawn the best clientele ever, like people that just come in. And and for them, it's a safe haven. It's like, you get it. You get me. Mm-hmm. And through word of mouth and through connecting with other colleagues that, you know, like I said, are like-minded, um, business has grown. And 
Um, it grew a lot quicker than I thought it would too. And that is for so that, I'm very grateful. Awesome. Yeah, that is outside of my control. But you know, I I can't say I've earned it, but I can say I've worked really no, hard. No, well, you definitely have earned it. And I think that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the whole earned it um, aspect is very difficult to gauge because we get so caught up in the present that we don't realize everything that you've put in to that work, right? To that business. You can't almost compute going back to when you were in high school and the grades that you must have gotten Mm -hmm. and the process of applying to different universities Mm -hmm. and going from, um, you know, one school to the next and getting all of that accomplished and every single one of the obstacles that you encountered and got over uh, that you got to where you are and are doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it's just, just a tiny bit short of a miracle, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't happen for everybody Mm -hmm. and it's not just that everything fell into place for you, but that you had the, um, that you had the vision, um, to even think about it ever. Uh, you work with a lot of kids, so, and I did too when I was, um, when I was coaching, coaching yeah. yeah, but you realize that a lot of the times these kids, um, they've never, they've never, they've never gotten to a place. I feel like where they have the confidence to even believe in the dreams that they have, yeah. that they could even, that they could even potentially come true mm-hmm. is, is almost like unreal to them. Like they, they, they just can't imagine that that is a, a reality mm-hmm. that the dreams that they have could really actually happen if they really just work towards them. Um, so that you were able to even have that is, is fantastic. You know, that you oh, have it and, you. You, and you're there. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, I I can make something work. I need to stop stop being so damn distracted and just focus on on you know what I can be good at. I had the wood shop that I was working on before, the ANA's wood shop and that was a business that man, it just proved to be too difficult to maintain. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything that I love doing more than building things with my own hands. And so building the furniture, you saw the bar yeah, that I built I up saw there. That. You and saw the bench. the bench. Yeah. I built a bunch of other things, the kitchen island that's in the kitchen and I built as well. And I built a lot of different things for a lot of people and there were a lot of customers for sure. Um, it just I just didn't pull the trigger. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't go all out and I didn't say, you know, I'm going to provide this service and I'm going to be the freaking best at it. I was way too scared because it started, I started realizing that in order for that business to take off, there had to be more of me. I could not build, build at a rate fast enough Mm -hmm. to make any type of legitimate profit because especially when it comes to furniture, a lot of times people don't understand that you're making hand crafted furniture pieces Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, woodcrafts. Yeah, they're not mass produced. Mm -hmm. You're never going to find them anywhere else. They are specifically for you. It's one of a kind. It's one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And so that was tough because you, I built a website, started putting things out there and a lot of the smaller items went very, very quickly. And that was a lot of fun. But some of the bigger items, you know, you, I built a huge kitchen island. I've, you know, I've done all kinds of things and you, you know, you put it up there, you're trying to sell stuff and you get these these uh, requests or these messages from people. They're like, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And I'm thinking, good grief. Are you (laughs) kidding me? The wood by itself is Uh way more than that. And and I think it almost becomes that kind of Craigslist mentality Mm -hmm. where it's um, because it's furniture, it must be hand-me-down. So I'll take it off your hands for a really cheap price. And 
and I didn't have the, I didn't just didn't have the business savvy to understand, hey, I need to start marketing this as what it is, which is handcrafted, one of a kind. I need to just set my foot down and I need to say, you know what, I need to go find a shop and I need to lease it and I need to take all of my equipment over there and I need to build a bona fide shop and hire some people and go freaking all out on this. Mm-hmm. I was just too scared to I do totally it. I totally get that. And I guess that's similar in with the colleagues that I talk to too that are in private practice where um, people are afraid to charge mm-hmm. what they're worth. Mm-hmm. And they would lowball. Mm-hmm. And they would say, you know, I will work for any amount that people are willing to pay me. And at some point, I had to say, you know, I'm gonna set my price as what it is, mm-hmm. my fee as what it is. Um, and if some people, if people find value in that, then we will work together. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, of course, like I mentioned, if finance is a barrier, we'll negotiate. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. But um, if someone was to say, you know. I don't think I would pay that much for your services. Why don't you charge me this much? Then I would say you don't value my work and it's probably not going to be effective mm-hmm. in the same way if someone was to try to lowball you, they're not going to appreciate, they're not going to enjoy the table that you, right. that you built. So right. nobody wins. Nobody wins. And you're right. And I found that out after that experience and after I kind of let go of the shop and I started doing personal training, I, I kind of realized the value of of my time and my expertise and uh, it's very different now as a trainer I it's, it's something that you encounter every day you have people that you've been working with for a long time um, you know there's an introductory rate and then there's um, a rate that goes up mm-hmm. once a person's been with you for a certain amount of time and that always seems almost counterintuitive in the mm-hmm. sense that well I've been with you for a long time mm-hmm. so shouldn't I continue to get uh, this low price when it was kind of an incentive price of to course. get people to come in and mm-hmm. Anyhow, so that gets really... They give free samples at Costco. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so when it comes time to charge your your actual rate, that becomes a very difficult conversation mm-hmm. because um, I think people get used to paying a certain price and, and you want to be very steadfast with what you believe your value is. And I think that's really important for anybody that has any type of private practice or that, you know, that manages their own business is just it's just like you said some people will value the service that you're providing mm-hmm. and they will they will pay the fee mm-hmm. and they believe in you mm-hmm. and as a business owner or someone that is just managing their own um, any type of practice or business you have to make sure that you do good by the rate that you're charging and Absolutely. by your business and that mm-hmm. you provide the very very best service that you can possibly provide and then everybody wins yes um, and I and I've begun to understand that, so I'm hoping that I can, you know, continue to to build on that. This this step, this new business venture with personal training has helped me in a lot of ways because I've I found out a lot about myself that I didn't know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm getting I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting better and better uh, all the time. The people that I work with downtown, um, I think, are some of the best best trainers that. Uh, there could be. I've been really lucky to be around Vince and to be around Katie and mm-hmm. to be around everybody at EAE and to also be and have met all of the trainers that are down at Gold's Gym. Uh, I've just learned from really, really fantastic people. So I'm excited about that. And maybe, maybe I could make something with it in the future. We'll see. That's uh, you know, that's something that that um, we'll have to wait and see where that goes. I'm building a website right now. I'm trying to see where this diet that I'm I'm currently in the middle of will take me. I'm doing something called, uh, I'm calling it the enemy 60. 
Uh, I built a quick website because I just realized that over the years I've been my own worst enemy. Mm. Every every time, maybe you've encountered this too. I don't know. Maybe in CrossFit you've done okay. this, where you get to a point where you're man, you're just killing it. And we talked about this a little while ago. That cycle, and this is kind of what I was referring yeah. to. I'll say to myself, I want to lose this amount of weight because I've always wanted to uh, feel fit physically, and I've never in my entire life seen my abdomen. I have no idea what my six pack looks like. I ditto. Oh yeah, I have no freaking <laughs> earthly clue. Sure, but that doesn't mean we're not fit. That doesn't mean we're, we're not fit. fit. You're absolutely right. It's just a goal that I've had uh -huh. that I've always wanted to accomplish because I, I want to yeah. prove to myself that I can do it. You know, I can do it. I know uh -huh. that I can. It just requires a ton of discipline. Yes, absolutely. So I've given up mm. uh, alcohol. I've given up sugar and dairies and grains just for a 60-day period to kind of reset uh, my body and kind of uh, I really want to take some of the principles that I learned from uh, the whole uh, whole 30 if you've ever mm -hmm. heard of that yes, I, have. Um, I know when I did it once in the past I found out that I'm lactose intolerant I had Ooh. a glass of milk uh, after the 30 days and it felt like I was going to die like I, it was just just completely threw my body off yeah that's it just, not good for Mexican cuisine that's not good for Mexican cuisine no <laughs> it's not I mean it it's just really, really, really not. It was highly disappointing because I love cereal. I love enormous bowls of cereal mm -hmm. and ice cream and cheese and all mm -hmm. of that. But, but it's the way that it kind of ran. And I am doing it because I think throughout all of um, the 30 attempts at following a diet or a nutrition program or a fitness program, I've never once been wholly committed. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with is kind of that... Uh, buffet mentality where it's like, well, I'm going to do a little bit of this mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and a little bit of this here. I'm mm -hmm. going to train a little bit. I'm going to run a little bit, but I'm also going to drink a little bit mm -hmm. of alcohol. Yeah. And I'm also going to eat a little bit like shit on this day <laughs> and maybe just a little bit like shit on that day. Yeah. But but I'm going to try, you know, to play the break even game. Mm. And uh, that break even game does exactly that. You never really get anywhere because yeah. you are constantly training like crazy, but mm -hmm. then also feeding your body um, terrible food yeah. and terrible liquids. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of that because I love to drink. Mm -hmm. I love alcohol. I freaking love it. Me too. Yeah. And so <laughs> I love sweets. I love, I, I've already started planning my, my cheat day. Okay. So after the 60 days are over, I started planning that. But anyway, the point is that I've never really <laughs> fully committed to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving it a shot and I'm going to see I'm going to see what 60 days can do for me. And then I'm going to go from there, probably switch over to a paleo diet that uh, that does allow for sugars and some other items. Um, right now, I can't have any of that. So that's why I'm not enjoying that glass of wine with you, oh, unfortunately. <laughs> do you like wine. it? I love it. It's a good wine, it's isn't delicious. it? It's delicious, yes. Um, it's one of Angelina's favorites. So, Yeah, I, my wife, uh, she loves herself that wine. I bought her a 12 pack or uh, whatever it was. A it was case? a case. There you uh -huh. go. 12 pack. Good grief. I bought her a case <laughs> for her birthday. So oh, she was really excited about that. And so she's, sweet. she's a really, she's a special person. I think like you just said earlier, um, I appreciate so much that I can count on her to be a team more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is your husband's name? Pete. Pete. Um, to have Pete and to have him support you mm -hmm. through all of that must mm -hmm. have been invaluable. Of and course. Angelina does the same Thing. I come home every day, like at 8.30 p.m., you know, or 8 p.m., mm -hmm. and she's got all of my food ready for the next day, wow. and man, she's a boss. She mm -hmm. does a great job, and I, I couldn't be more thankful. Wow. Um, and with couples, 
um, something we talk about often is there are seasons mm -hmm. where there are seasons where it would one person would be supporting the other a little bit more. But it's important to balance that out with the next season when you know the person feels stable mm -hmm. to start leaning into the other partner's right. needs and, and goals and dreams more and to repeat that throughout their relationship. Right. I agree. I agree. I, I ask myself as often as possible, like, what can I do to help balance this out? I hope she feels that I do a good job of doing that. Um, yeah, but right now, this is this is your season to grow mm -hmm. your business right. and focus on that. That's a gift to your relationship. And when you're there, mm -hmm. then you can transition. Well, this is, this is going to be her season now. Right. What, what are some goals or aspirations or um, crazy ideas that she has? crazy in a good way. I always think crazy is good. Um, Me too. That would Without a doubt. That you can support her in, you know, and just keep, keep, you know, swapping that throughout your relationship. And both people find enjoyment in both being the supportive role, but also in the role of I get to, I get my opportunity and my space to grow and stretch as a human. Yeah, I, I definitely would say a lot of a lot of the work that I do, you know, I I do because I want to support our family, the mm -hmm. family that we want to build together. So not a lot of the work, all of the work. So every day that I wake up in the morning, every hour and every minute that I spend working, all, all I am ever doing is thinking about supporting her and making sure that I can provide yes. a, a happy life for her. Mm -hmm. But I very seldom think about it as deeply as you just mentioned it, mm -hmm. where I take time to think about, well, what are some things that, that she wants to accomplish? Yeah. What are some aspirations that she has? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really, really important distinction to make because just simply working to pay the bills is not the same mm -hmm. as supporting somebody that way emotionally um, and asking, what do you want? Yes. You know, what do you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. You know, it certainly cannot just be I want to accomplish making you meals mm -hmm. and supporting you all the time because I know she has dreams and aspirations mm -hmm. and goals. Um, and it probably <laughs> would be very important for me to, to sit down and think about those things and, and talk like to her about that. Sounds like a beautiful conversation to have. Oh, I, absolutely. If there's anything that I've been very thankful and blessed with is that Angelina and I have just an unbelievable pattern of communication where we've been able to identify when we're going through um, those ebbs and flows where we just we're just not connecting and we can say hey listen we need to we need to figure this out what's going on or she'll say listen I really didn't like that you did this and mm -hmm. that and I can say well I agree or disagree with that, but <laughs> but we do a really good job of, mm -hmm. of talking it out. We don't always agree, and we're not always happy with each other without a doubt. There are days I come home, and I freaking want to rip my hair out because, yeah. you know, who knows? Sure. She Yesterday, I flipped out because she... <laughs> this is so stupid, but <laughs> I got home late. You're laughing now. <laughs> I got home late, like, at 11. And, 11 uh, p.m.? 11 p.m., right. That's late. Yeah, it's late. And she'd, she'd, she'd gone out with her girlfriends. They were having a girls' night, no big deal. But she'd said, hey, I'm, gonna have, I'm going to have food ready for you when you get home. So I was thinking, hell yeah, you know, I'm going to be hungry. You're looking forward to I'm it. I'm looking forward to it. So I get home, and I look in the fridge, and there's just there's a salad in there. There's a salad. There's a ton of spinach and baby greens or whatever they're called, and like a couple of shreds of chicken and some, I think she said it was palm. I don't know. 
And I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, you have got to be freaking kidding me. Mm. A salad. Mm. A salad. I flipped out about this stupid, absolutely meaningless um, situation. In my head, I was thinking I was going to come home and there was going to be this feast for me. But it was a salad, so I, I got really grumpy and upset because I was hangry. I was already hungry yeah, and I was sure, desperate. Of so course. I made myself something to eat and I go to bed. She gets home later and she's like, hey, did you did you enjoy the chicken? And I was like, what chicken? I was you know, thinking to myself, you didn't. You, it was just a salad. Oh. So there was in the microwave like this whole oh plate of gosh. chicken that she had made for me. And it was del- it was amazing. I just didn't see it in there. Oh. And she forgot to tell me. And she had just made this unbelievable dinner for me. And I didn't even I didn't even see it. Wow. So that whole time I was grumpy for no reason. Stupid situations like that that sometimes drive you crazy about your spouse that mm-hmm. they're so they're so meaningless, but they build up and you let frustration get the best of you sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky that we've been able to sometimes sit back and say, what are we even arguing about yep. right now? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember why we're mad at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and can we start fresh? And can we start fresh? Yeah. And we've can been we able to do that. Can we just repair and just get back on track? Mm-hmm. We've had in our time together maybe two enormous fights, two big ones, two big, big fights. And they were both pretty stupid. I mean, one of them was because I was being insecure um, about somebody hitting on her. Mm-hmm. And I never, that's like the last thing that I that I am. Of course, alcohol was involved. And I just acted like an ass, like mm-hmm. a complete ass. And that was one, one day where we really... What a compliment that someone would hit on your wife. <laughs> I, exactly, right? She's a hottie. She's a hottie. She's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I think I just felt, I felt insecure. Sure. And it wasn't really a reflection. Well, yeah, it wasn't a reflection on anything she did because mm-hmm. she didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I was insecure. And, and I lashed out because I was insecure. But it wasn't until the next day when we sat down and talked about it and really just, you know, what the hell was that? Mm. What, why did you do that? You don't really have an answer for that because, I mean, I realized at the time, well, what are you upset about? Well, I'm upset that I felt insecure. <laughs> yeah, it goes deeper. Yeah, it, yeah I'm sure yeah. it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, feeling, feelings of inadequacy or I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be scary sometimes when you have something that you care about and love so much and you maybe aren't so confident in yourself and being able to to maintain that or keep keep that person or keep their attention or keep their love for whatever reason you can be insecure this was a long time ago by the way this was like way way at the beginning of our relationship and it's interesting because that's what ends up driving people away Mm -hmm. it's like i want to keep you close but i end up driving you away yes you're absolutely right and so I've how can we do that differently the next right. time around? We've, we've talked several times about the, not the concept, but the reality of, of divorce, right? Mm. Her and I will talk about okay. it. And the reason we talk about it is because we've had, we have family members on her side and on my side that have gone through divorce. Mm-hmm. And I always tell Angelina, I find it so fascinating that there's, there seems to be like a trigger or a switch or something that happens in a relationship where just everything changes and Mm. i can't i can't quite pinpoint it in people Ah. because i tell her all the time like where we are right now you and i i could not imagine being happier and more fulfilled in a spouse you satisfy every need that i could possibly have Um, that's beautiful and that's the way that i feel about her and i am willing to do anything for this woman i 
you know, I would die for her a, a hundred times over. I genuinely yeah. feel that way. I wouldn't hesitate at all. I think that's a Bruno Mars song. Is it really? I think so. Hot damn. Did I, I just go lyric for lyric? I would jump in front of a train for you they, or something. Oh, <laughs> man, Bruno Mars. I want to see that guy in concert, by the way. Okay. His concert or the concerts that I've seen him put on TV <laughs> look pretty awesome. Don't judge me. I'm not judging. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> Non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. That's right. <laughs> I can still laugh. Yeah, that's true. But... We talk about that a lot because we've had family members that go through there, and I tell her all the time, there has, there's something that happens to people where they go from where you and I are right now, which is absolute, unconditional, just really deep emotional love, mm -hmm. and then it's time for divorce. It's time to not be together. And I feel like it's like these small, these small little things that occur. They're like, um, it's like throwing I have a, a rock. For it. It's like I was throwing a rock in the water, and then they just, Ripple, 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 and then they just turn into these huge waves. Yeah, my term for it is micro injuries. Micro injuries. Yes, they're not traumatic injuries. Mm -hmm. Traumatic injuries would be infidelity, mm -hmm. okay. um, abuse. Mm -hmm. um, micro injuries are little small injuries that happen throughout the relationship. And, you know, couples are aware enough typically to do some repair work around that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you know, when there's an injury that takes place, there is scarring. And they're really minute. You know, there's some blaming going on. There's some criticism going on. There's resentment. Resentment, mm -hmm. accusations, demands, things that on the surface is, isn't this normal? But when it starts to build up, um, or um, one thing that I see very commonly is when one partner chooses to be vulnerable with the other by sharing feelings and needs, and the other partner doesn't respond well. Oh, hot damn. And what happens is, if we can visualize, every time a person says, I'm sharing my feelings with you, and they're shut down, that builds a brick in their wall. And then over time, these bricks just start building and building, and all of a sudden, you have a big wall. And their partner I don't goes, tell where you did anything. that I don't come wanna, from? Yeah, I don't want to tell mm -hmm. you anything anymore because there's Absolutely. no response or, or you're... Mm -hmm. exactly. I'm not putting myself out there for mm -hmm. risk of rejection anymore. And so when that happens, it's really hard to tear that wall down. Some couples, they will do the work to try to tear that wall down. And that's what I was going to ask you is, what does a couple do? I mean, is that just an identifier of two people that aren't met or that don't work or are not compatible together? Mm. Or are there strategies or are there ways for people to work through that? That's a great question. And I have couples that come in and they will say, I don't know if we're meant for each other. Um, I, I truly do believe that if two people are equally committed to put in the work, mm -hmm. it can work. Yeah. And I'm the one that will always hold on to hope for them. But unfortunately, that's not always the case sure. where one person would say, you know, I've worked hard enough. Mm -hmm. I've been vulnerable enough. And my partner didn't hold that for me. They would tell me not to feel that way. Right. They would say, your feelings aren't important. You should feel us another way. Mm -hmm. And... <clears throat> when the wall is up, it's really hard to tear it down. Does that mean they're incompatible? No. What that means is they neither of them had the skills. Mm. They don't have the skills to express yeah. their needs and their feelings in a way that doesn't come across as blaming or criticism. Or the other partner doesn't have a way to lean in and to listen. That's and what to I was validate, about to say. And to validate the feelings. Not good, not good listeners or not good at expressing or communicating and mm -hmm. not good at, at listening. Yeah, and it's a cycle. And it's something that's so foundational fundamental 
but they don't teach you that at school. They don't teach you how to communicate with an intimate partner. Yeah. I, I wish they did. Yeah. Yeah. They sh- well, th- it's like anything that has to do with um, personal relationships, interpersonal relationships, sexual relationships, mm-hmm. anything like that is just completely taboo and off, and yeah. off, uh, off limits, it seems. Mm-hmm. And these are, I think, just such important skills for people to learn or i don't know if you call them skills but absolutely um, they're life skills yeah yeah that people should Mm -hmm. be learning about how to interact with other people and how to um kind of manage their way through that what could seemingly seem like an impossible um uh, just so many different types of situations that you can find yourself in with people not just relationships but just interactions and so what ends up happening is Where do people, what's people's default? Default is seeing how their parents interact. Correct. And that's what they model from, even though a lot of times they will consciously say, I don't ever want to be like my parents. And that's all you know, though, right? That's all you know. And that, how I explain to clients is that's your blueprint. Mm -hmm. You don't have a different blueprint. Or maybe some people do. They might see other relatives or grandparents that had healthy relationships. That's your blueprint. And that's what you have to work with. This is why you react the way that you do. Now, understanding that, what changes do you want to make for your blueprint? Wow. To build uh, essentially a new one or to... Or you guys get to negotiate what you want your relationship to look like. And, um, And you can. But like everything else... There's room for negotiation. Yeah, there's room for negotiation. And there's also, uh, I think the important word for me or the one that I think of is, is we mentioned it earlier, is an evolution of your relationship mm. and just accepting that there can be different ways of, of thinking about how to operate within that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, when Angelina and I first started dating, we I remember, I remember being um, really cautious about being in a relationship. I was really worried about about committing myself to her, mostly because I was, I, honestly, the biggest fear was that I'd found somebody that I wanted to marry. Yeah. I was. Why was that so scary? Because I didn't want that. You know, I was still so young. I was, Ooh. you know, 26 or 27, somewhere around there when I met her, I think. So but it's sounding like. How old am I now? 33. It's a push pull. Right. It's like, I want it, but then I'm going to. Exactly. It's exactly what it was. Yeah. And I definitely wanted it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the tep- typical uh, male. Well, maybe not just male, but the typical impulse for me has always been like, hey, I really, I really like you. And I've heard other guys say this, too. And I've heard other women tell me about their experience with guys that have said something like that Mm -hmm. similar, which is that want of, hey, I really like you. I really want to be with you. But can you just hold on and wait for me here while I go act a fool for a few years and then (laughs) I'll come back and you'll still be here? It's what everybody wants to be able to, I feel like, go and live their single life for a while and then come back to this person that they feel is perfect for them. Mm -hmm. And when I met Angelina, that's almost kind of how I felt. I was 26 or 27 and it was like, oh man, why didn't I meet you right now? Like, you know, I'm still so young. Like I want to go and enjoy Austin and be crazy. I just started working Mm -hmm. and um, it was just, I just can't even explain it. She just blew me away. Yeah. She just blew me the hell away. Mm-hmm. And since we met, we've, we've been inseparable since we met. And I just didn't see it coming. And I think that that's what, I think that's what happened. I was just so shocked mm-hmm. that I felt somebody or found somebody so incredibly compatible and so supportive more than anything. Oh, that's so um, from the very beginning, she was 
didn't pressure me to do anything, didn't pressure me to label our relationship. She was just there for me all the time. And, mm -hmm. oh man, I just, uh, you know. Well, Alex, I'm really happy for you and proud of you because a lot of people in those situations, going back to our earlier conversation, mm -hmm. is they would self-sabotage. Yeah. Well, I would say that that was the one time I didn't do it because... Well, I've, high five to that, brother. <laughs> high five. I've done it before. In fact, yeah. my MO in college and throughout was how do I figure out a way to destroy this relationship? Yep. Because I don't want to break up with her because I'm a coward and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to say it to her face that this isn't working yeah. or that I don't want to continue this relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to figure out a way to completely sabotage it. So, so it is, you know, it, it's the balls in her court to, to say, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. Yeah. That's what I would do as, as, mm -hmm. as a young man is that's the only way I felt there was a, a way out of a relationship that I didn't yeah. want to be in, which was unfortunate because I, I probably did a lot of awful things that I, you know, or treated people really poorly for the most mm, part. You so. created pain. Mm -hmm. um, I guess unnecessary, completely unnecessary mm -hmm. pain mm -hmm. for people. Um, I just had, uh, I didn't have, I think, the communication skills that I always prided myself on. I just mm -hmm. was, I don't know, there's no other way to say it than just saying I was pretty much a coward, but... I'm I'm lucky that I've I've met her because I feel like I'm most certainly a better man and um, I've, well, I just your, try to be better. That was your area of growth, mm -hmm. courage. Yeah, I and so you had to grow into that. Let me tell you something. The day we got married, and she was coming down the aisle, holy shit! I did not feel any pressure leading up to that day. Uh -huh. I was totally cool. Like everybody kept asking me and joking around like, hey, are you nervous? Are you this or that? And I was like, no, man, I'm ready to go. This is, there is no problem here. I have absolutely no fear or hesitation. I'm ready. But when she walked down that aisle, I felt the weight of the responsibility of being a good husband. Mm. And, and what did that feel like in your body? It felt like I was front squatting 315. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> so I guess in relative terms, like, can I get this it bar? felt heavy. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so somebody might say, oh, 315 is nothing, but no. Chest up, it, elbows up. Exactly, right? <laughs> That's what it felt like. Uh, no, it just, it felt, um, it was that, that classic feeling of feeling like your heart is sinking into your stomach, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that just that wow, this is real, uh -huh. you know, this, uh -huh. and more than anything I've told people before, I just felt like I was watching her come down and I was just enjoying her inner beauty, you know, and how, just how wonderful she is. And I was thinking, man, this girl deserves the most incredible husband ever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there was a lot of fear in not being able to live, live up to that, right. Sure. In that, in that moment. I get that. Um, and there's, I guess there's fear in that every day, but you just have to, put your head down and keep keep moving forward and keep trying that, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And there's one thing that Pete and I live by mm -hmm. is we're going to be better every day. Yeah. And that's what we strive to. We're going to be better. Like today we could have fought and we could have been ugly, but tomorrow, guess what? We're going to be better. Yeah. And we strive for that every day. Yeah. We say something similar and we, we talk about wanting to be the best team that we can be, right? Yeah. And we, we talk about that a lot because... I think it's really easy to be in a relationship, but then simultaneously start making decisions for your own benefit. So yeah, I'm married, but I'm going to do this over here because it's better for me. Mm. Not thinking about that one particular yeah. person or what they're going through or what they need uh, and vice versa. 
But we talked about that a lot. Uh, it began with the financial conversations when we first got married. You know, where are we going to put our money? How are we going to share our money? What are we going to do this? And we started talking about, listen, we need to make sure that when we're discussing our finances that we think about it as a game. Yeah. There's a money game. Mm. How do we make more of this money? How do we make more of it together? What's best for the both of us? Because mm -hmm. we're ultimately a team. Mm -hmm. And it has helped so much because... I think it's really easy to get frustrated sometimes when money's involved because it it provides a lot of stability and sanity for us in our in the type of lifestyle that we live not mm -hmm. not us specifically but just people in general uh, when you have bills to pay when you have the electricity when you have a house when you have cars um, if you can't pay for those things it causes a tremendous amount of stress and I think it can lead to fractures in your your daily happiness yes, with your spouse mm -hmm. right so instead of kind of allowing it to be you know your fault my fault uh, this and that it just became how do we do this together this is a team let's let's find a way to support this team the best that we possibly can and then we just took that same example that we used for our finances and then we kind of just use it for everything how can we do how can we be the best team at all of these different aspects of our relationship um, and it's worked really well so that makes me feel really confident about our relationship as we go on it makes me feel supremely confident about our um of our future you know mm -hmm. my my parents were married for uh, i want to say oh geez 30 something years mm -hmm. 38 37 years i think something like that um her parents have been married they're still married today and uh, my dad passed away by the way so they're still married um but I also I see divorce everywhere that I look yeah. and it terrifies me it terrifies the that. hell out of me because I don't know how that happens but but I haven't experienced going through those micro injuries and yes. just building them up over the course of several years mm -hmm. and let's hope that you know bringing that to consciousness will prevent that um, and I say to couples it's micro injuries are gonna happen and ask yourself this, what is the quickest way for me to get us back on track? Yeah. Always ask yourself that. For me to get us back on track, not mm -hmm. to wait for your partner to get us back oh, on yeah. track. Yeah. And um, I, I visualize it like um, dominoes, when you have dominoes stacked up. And you just know if somebody tips the dominoes, everything is going to be okay. Everything else will fall in place. But who's going to tip the domino? Is it going to be you or are you going to wait for your partner to do it? It's hard sometimes, isn't I it? I know. When you said that just now, I was thinking about times when we've gotten angry enough with each other that we don't want to talk. We yeah. don't want to say anything. You don't want to tip the domino. You don't want to tip the domino. And mm -hmm. it's almost just, it's this, it's pride. Mm. It's just pride. Just sitting there saying, no, you're, you're not going to say anything. You know, mm -hmm. this is her fault. You know, you just... You know, if she's not going to apologize or if she's not going to do this, then you don't do anything because it's her fault. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, listen, let's talk about it. Mm. Let's let's find out what what is going on. What's the source here and what can we do to be better? Absolutely. And let's just fix it because I love you and mm -hmm. let's just fucking make this shit yeah, work. You know, absolutely. And, and it's so mm -hmm. much easier once you it's just like That's you said. The yes, it's though. just it like you said. Though. Once you tip it, mm -hmm. it's like, dude, what the freaking hell were we <laughs> mad about well, yeah. it's a big deal like we mm -hmm. can get through this this is mm -hmm. not that big of a deal 
Um, and my tip around that is um, I encourage people just to think, what is my role here? What is my accountability? What am I accountable for in this situation? Yeah. Yes, we're both accountable. We're both at fault. But what part do I take ownership in? And I'm going to own that. And I will say to my partner, baby, I love you. I'm sorry because I did this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to blame them for doing what they did. Yeah. They already know what they did. Right. But I'm going to take ownership for my part. And that's tipping the domino. That's a great way to, yeah, that's a great way to, just as you say, your, tip, just, yeah, own, just own your part. Just mm-hmm. accept that there's something that you yeah. could have done to I raise my make voice. the situation better. I'm sorry I raised my voice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, I raised my voice because you were being an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> Because you I didn't pick that, up your laundry. You know, I say that to Angelina all the time. I'm like, hey, <laughs> tell her not to raise her voice at me because sometimes, I don't know, she'll raise her voice. I'm like, hey, 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 you know, calm, calm it down a little bit. And she'll just laugh and about that particular case. But I don't know what it is about that in particular that really rubs me the wrong way yeah, when she that. raises her voice at me. I just, it triggers something. Yeah, it triggers whatever. Mm-hmm. I just find it to be disrespectful, I guess. My brother, <laughs> my brother's really silly. He uh, does this thing to the both of us whenever we, Angelina and him, are pretty close. And obviously, I'm really close to my brother too. But whenever we raise our voice to him, he'll make this ridiculous voice. He'll be like, hey, I don't like your tone. Oh. And he'll make it sound like he's really sensitive. He's not at all. But it's just really funny because it's it's disarming. You know, it, it, it raises awareness. It does raise awareness, mm-hmm. but it does it in a funny way. So yes. it kind of it disarms you. Yes. You know, so I don't know if he does that on purpose or if he's just being a silly <laughs> idiot, which he tends to be. He sounds, he sounds like he's smart. He, knows he he's is. Smart. Oh, man, I can't believe I got baited into this. Mm. I'm going to say it now officially on record. Let's hear it. I think he's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Wow. And he's very intelligent and he's very um, he's very thoughtful. Mm. And he's one of those people that I feel like you could talk to him about anything. And he's he has information about just tons of different things um, that I don't even know exist. You know, we'll be talking about a particular subject and then he'll start talking about the history of it. And I ask him, how the hell do you even know this? But um, he was a professor instructor at Rice and he's uh, uh, teaching at a private school now in Houston. So. He's an artsy, intelligent guy, and yeah. and uh, we've definitely enjoy when he comes into Austin. So, last time I spoke to him was actually last time I spoke to him was during the UFC fight that was at uh, EAE. It was the first. It was the first Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor fight. Do you watch the UFC at all by any chance? Not as much. Oh my goodness! Well. They host the fights at, at EAE all the time. I do know that. And they do a great job. There's like 150, 100 people that go out there, and, and it's a lot of fun to watch. But uh, he called me that last time before we went out there, and it was a huge upset. My brother uh, was at home, and he was saying, should I go watch the fight? And I told him, you know, it's about to start. You know, I guess you could maybe make it to a bar over there in Houston. Um, but, you know, we all know how this fight's going to end. You know, I wouldn't really waste my time going and then paying for cover. We were both sure that the underdog, Nate Diaz, was going to lose. Even though I wanted him to win, we were just mm-hmm. sure that he was going to lose. Mm-hmm. The guy ends up winning. Wow. And uh, the fight before that was a huge upset as well. So it ended up being, in my opinion, one of the best UFC fights uh, schedules or, or uh, events that I'd ever seen, UFC 196. 
It was unreal. And of course, my brother didn't watch it because I told him not to go watch it. Mm. <laughs> and then I called him after and I said, dude, you missed like the best UFC <laughs> on the face of the planet. But uh, I'm going to have to have him on the uh, podcast eventually. Yeah, it sounds for sure. like you think really highly of your brother. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. And I'm trying to help him um, with making sure that he stays accountable for his fitness goals. I want him I want to put him on blast as well as me. We both have <laughs> to be very and it's very serious because we both have to be very careful. We have heart disease in our family. My dad passed away. He had a stroke. Uh, he had high blood pressure and had a triple bypass heart surgery when oh, he was wow. about 45. Oh my goodness. So this is a serious issue for us mm -hmm. and it's not something that we should take very lightly. Yep. You gotta stay on top so of we it. have to stay on top of it because I sure as hell don't want to be uh, bedridden and have my brother have to worry about me and take care of me and vice versa. You know, yeah. I want us to both be healthy and be old and have grand grandkids and mm -hmm. enjoy our family. Yeah, exactly. And just, man, and just enjoy the hell out of our life yes. because that uh, experience with my dad was something I never, I never want to live something like that again because that was definitely very, man, it was traumatic and, and traumatic. difficult. Yeah. Um, and he knows that. So mm. hopefully... You know, hopefully he can get that uh, in order. I do want to talk to you about one more thing. Sure. I'm open. I want to talk to you about sex. this. Yes. Yes! I love talking about sex. I'm so glad. I I actually did not know Alex was going to say that, but were you for real? Yeah, yes, yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Let's go. What? Um, I don't know. I There's so many ways to, to go with this. Um, it's kind of difficult. It's one of those things that you want to talk about, but you worry about... Um, you worry about putting your, well, I'm just going to say it. You worry about putting your own relationship and your wife on blast, you sure. know, because so it's... So let's not talk about your relationship. Exactly. Let's talk about someone else's relationship. Huh. Okay. How do I bring this up? How, where would I start with this? Um, I think when it comes to sex, I'm really curious about... I love your curiosity. I'm very curious about the limitations that we set ourselves when mm. it comes to sex. Mm -hmm. I think that that's where I would start with that. Mm -hmm. I'm. What are some limitations that you see commonly in people? Well, I would, I would say just right now in talking about it, I, people are afraid to talk about sex and accept that they love it yeah. and that it's fun mm -hmm. and that it can be done in a really fun way mm -hmm. and not have to feel guilty or bad about it yeah. or um, or dwell on it. I feel like we've almost been trained since we were young kids. And it's I don't feel like this. It is a fact. We have been trained to not talk about it yeah. and to feel that it is unacceptable mm -hmm. or taboo to discuss the fact that, hey, I'm kind of into that. That is some fun stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, why... Why is that, I wonder, that it's so difficult for us to accept that this is fun? We all, yeah. everybody that I know has had sex. I don't know anybody that hasn't or that refuses. I know some people that maybe don't enjoy it, but it's probably sure. because they don't, I, I'm assuming here, but it's probably because they don't fully accept their needs or their wants or their desires and maybe suppress some of what they, you know, really want. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a mix of why people don't enjoy sex. But just going back to your question why is it that we're conditioned this way well let me take a step back and let's not even talk about sex for a okay. second let's just talk about touch okay so ever since we were babies ever mm -hmm. since we were born 
we have been submitted to be touched when we don't want to be touched. Okay. We have relatives that would pick us up and twirl us <laughs> around when we're like, oh, I don't like this. We have uncles with really bushy beards that would kiss Let us. I'm like, that's baby. so scratchy. Let me hold the baby. And yeah. we have aunts that kiss us on our faces and it's like lipstick. And I'm like, I hate this growing up. Um, we have parents that put us into clothing that we don't want to be in. We're like, well, this, I don't like this touch. Um, we are strapped into car seats. We're like, I don't like this. But we have been conditioned to say we have to be okay with people touching us in a way that we don't want to be touched. Interesting. I never, definitely never thought of that deeply. Mm -hmm. And when doctors and dentists try to invade our bodies, mm -hmm. we naturally say, no, don't do it. But mm -hmm. our parents are like, be quiet. It's good for you. Sit down, you yeah. need mm -hmm. to listen. And I get where they're coming from, but sure. our innate is... Our innate nature is, I don't want to be touched this way. Why don't I get a choice? Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, um, you know, with men and women and the all outs in between, lovely genders in between, we say, I've been conditioned to allow people to tell me what is okay and not okay in terms of how I'm touched. Interesting. And so as in the process, it's, I'm also, I've been conditioned to not voice how I like to be touched. That's, yeah, see, that's the key, I think. And also I'm conditioned to not speak up when I don't like how I'm being touched. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be okay with it. For women, I can, I'm a woman, I can speak to that. We are told, you're supposed to be what? You're supposed to be multi-orgasmic. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be wet when when we say so right but um, the rest the of the time at the snap of a finger just the rest of the time you're not supposed to be your your <laughs> fluids are gross unless it's in a sexual oh, situation man, you're so right for men oh for women it's you're supposed to have erect nipples mm -hmm. when it's sexual right. but otherwise don't you dare don't show you your dare nipples show your nipples nope mm -mm. that's wrong for men, it's you're put supposed your to be away. hard when you're supposed to be erect. Exactly. Otherwise, put it the F away. Right. Um, all these things that we told we should and shouldn't. And it's how do we reconcile that when we're actually with an intimate partner where we say, I want to give myself fully to this person and right. to give into the experience. But I have all these embedded ideas, notions of what we should and shouldn't feel. And so I think a big part of this conversation is just starting with what kind of touches do we honestly enjoy not what society says we should enjoy but it's like what do we really what really gets us you know does that mean i love for example if a person says i love just having someone's hand on the small of my back mm -hmm. well what pressure yeah light medium you know, firm. There's so many variations. And right? really just slowing down with your partner and talking about that. I love my head being massaged. That's sensual to me. Light, medium, firm. Mm -hmm. Going through that from the head to their toes and just saying, let's explore all pleasurable touches and say, you are fully allowed to feel that. And I think it, it I mean, it all goes back to communication, right? In the sense mm -hmm. that you have to be willing to have that conversation. Yeah and and go step by step and say what do you what do you really like yes you know mm -hmm. um and what do you not like what do you not like in yeah. particular i've uh you know that that's probably an en endless 
journey and it and it changes too sometimes mm. i do like that mm -hmm. sometimes i don't like that humans are very fluid right absolutely it depends and women will tell you it depends on the time of the day mm -hmm. it depends on the time of the month and with men it's similar to it all beautiful moon? genders is it a between. full moon is it a yeah <laughs> and and it's okay but it's the communicating it's like tonight i want to cuddle with you spooning me on the couch mm -hmm. Tomorrow night, I might want you to rip my hair out yeah, and exactly. F me yeah, on the counter. Exactly. And that's okay. And like you're saying, it's communication. And if I may just kind of, I know this is my advocacy part coming out. Please. Um, in our culture, in this weird um, American culture, there's this analogy for sex that I don't think is necessarily beneficial. It's the basis. So there's first base, second base, third base, home oh, run. Oh, yes. And people think, well, home run means victory, right? So we got to hit home <laughs> run. Um, but there's this um, sex uh, therapist. I'm so sorry if I don't get your name right. Barry. Oh, Barry, I love you. McIntyre, Barry. I will get, we'll get the correct name on the website. Um, he actually put it into in another. Is it Barry McCarthy? Yes. There you Thank go. You. Oh, very it helps having the laptop yes. right here ready to Barry go. Barry McCarthy puts it into gears as in driving, mm -hmm. right? First gear to fifth gear. So when you're driving, do you always need to use fifth gear? Mm -hmm. No. Is it always efficient to? No. That is a much better analogy. Mm -hmm. But can we enjoy first gear? Can we enjoy second gear? Can we enjoy third gear? And there are nights when we would say, let's keep this a first gear night. That means touching with clothes on, enjoying mm -hmm. each other, being mm -hmm. affectionate, but not necessarily sexually intimate. Right. There are nights when it's fourth gear. We're going to be erotic. We're going to be playful. Yeah. And there are times for fifth gear, like we're going to have intercourse, right. whatever that looks like for people. But there's no idea that home run means success in this, in this theory. And I really love that because success is how do two people feel more connected with their bodies and with each other in this intimate experience and like let's talk about it how we've been talking about how busy we people are and all the things that um happens in life and yeah people sometimes take on the pressure of having sex it's like oh and the end of the day to top it off i have to have sex with my partner oh man yeah. <laughs> oh, but man, do we so, yeah but can we, what about second gear? Yeah. How about let's just enjoy each other with um, clothing optional and keep it at that and not expect it to have to go to fifth gear. What would that be like for partners that agree to that and will honor that? Yeah, and we do that sometimes, Angelina and I, I mean, not that, not that you even think about it that thoroughly, but it's just almost impulsive. You know, we got into this routine where we're just coming home and I get home so tired and she gets home yeah. so tired and it's just like automatic sleep. You mm. just lay in bed mm -hmm. and you just cuddle and watch TV yes. and we'll look at each other and we're like, this is the best That's so thing beautiful. ever. Yes. That's what you the need at the time. Ever. And, um, and you're right. That's exactly what you need at the time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be anything more or anything less than that. Mm -hmm. And it's it just is perfect. But there are also times when... Um, we're out of sync and um, I guess you could call it getting into a rut and it's it's just like you're not making time to you're not making time to address it at all mm. you know you just mm. there's none of the first gear second gear or third gear mm. um, 
there's so little interaction and you're beginning to get become so disconnected because you're getting so busy with everything mm. that you're doing that you're not paying attention to any of it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that has happened as well. And, sure. and luckily we've been um, aware of it enough that we've been able to kind of take a step back and say, hey, we're getting we're getting disconnected, like yeah. I mentioned before. And, and we can still apply the domino theory to exactly. that. Just to say, who's, who's going to tip, tip the domino? And to say, hey, baby, what gear mm-hmm. are you feeling like tonight? I really, really like that a lot. Um, because, you know, when I tell her, hey, I'm going to hit a home run tonight, <laughs> just <laughs> She's like, no, work. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She's oh. getting really sick and tired of yeah. that example because uh, she doesn't like sports. So it doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work but for her. But we're going on a cruise. And let's see what gears we're going to hit. Yeah, I love the sex conversation because I think it's one that everybody struggles having. Nobody wants to have it. Um, and not only not only between your partner, mm-hmm. but have it with other people, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. say, hey, friend, like, mm-hmm. hey, tell me about that. Like, what 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 do you guys do? Like, what yes. what are some things that you guys experience? Tell mm-hmm. me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you may be more so because um you do this professionally and you've you've talked to other people about it but mm-hmm. i can't think myself of a of a situation where i've just simply spoken to a friend um one of my old buddies from mm-hmm. high school or college mm-hmm. and been like hey you know yeah. hey, what do you guys do for you know whatever how do you guys address sure. these issues or yeah. it just is not spoken about and i get that and i think a way to go into that in a healthy way is to s- discuss with your partner some boundaries mm-hmm. Because boundaries need to be set around um, discussing your intimate life outside oh, of your true. relationship. Oh, true. Very good, yeah. And so what gets um, dangerous is if we open up a window for someone to look into your relationship when your partner did not consent. Oh. So it's to say, I'm going to open a window for someone to peek in. But Angelina didn't know that. But what if you both said, these are the boundaries that we have around what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to allow people uh-huh. to see. This is, you know, that's the curtains that we're going to put on. And these are the people that we're trusting to talk about. And of course, you're only going to talk to your most trusted people, but also letting your client, um, I was going to say letting your client, letting your, your partner, partner know. <laughs> um at what extent does that, you know, boundary limit us in terms of what we're going to talk about? What do we allow people to see and what do we, or we what do we allow yeah. people to share and what do we don't? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and um, getting your partner's consent first is important. And, and also allowing your partner saying, it's healthy for you to talk to your friends mm-hmm. about it. These are the friends that I trust for you to talk about it. And up to this extent, I don't want you to talk to your friends about my um bumps <laughs> on my penis okay okay that's fair. yeah exactly <laughs> but it's okay to talk about um you know foreplay exactly and what they enjoy mm-hmm. whatever those boundaries are set Don't those before tell them i like to dress like a sailor don't <laughs> tell them about that <laughs> whatever the case Meow. might be yeah. yeah exactly and i don't know i think uh you could go endlessly when one of our well one of the shows that i've watched um I, I love this show, and it came on a few years ago. It was on Cinemax, which can tell you where this conversation is going, but it was called Skin to the Max. Okay. And it was this show about uh, different types of relationships and different types of, um, um, I don't know how, you do, how you would say this, but just 
I guess anything that that revolved around um, what is considered as I guess sexual deviance or or taboo mm-hmm. sex related conversations yeah. whatever uh-huh. um, relationships and it, these were couples and these were different people sometimes it was just a person sometimes it was a couple but these were people from all over the world mm. and they would just document their experience through their sexual relationship and it was just really cool because there were people that I mean, they had no reservations about sharing what their experience was and what they enjoyed doing together or by themselves, whatever the case yeah. might be. And it almost made me feel like here in this country, we are, I don't even know if it's decades, maybe centuries behind like sexual exploration. Yeah. Because um, I just felt, I don't know, I just felt like, man, I wouldn't, I could never see people talking about this sort of thing or doing this sort of thing here. I don't know. Maybe no. I'm, maybe and, I'm I, and if I may just lend some insight, perhaps. I mean, I'm sure there's more to this, but the two immediate things that come to mind is one is obviously religion. Oh, s- without a doubt. The second is pornography. Mm-hmm. Because most people, their first interaction with anything sexual, explicit sexual of nature is through pornography and... We do know that from research. Um, most boys are exposed to pornography. They start watching pornography at the age of 11. Hot now. damn. Yes. Well, I probably would have too, but I just didn't have it. When I was 11 years old, there was a Playboy have an magazine. IPhone. Yeah, there was a Playboy There's magazine. There's a Playboy. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes. That the second that a kid gets a phone, mm-hmm. they are exposed 100% mm-hmm. to any information mm-hmm. that they want, anything. Mm-hmm. And so the issue wow. with pornography, of course, is um, children look to that on to learn how to have sex. And this is, um, and I've had, oh man, I wish I could just pay credit to all these people that have taught me, but I've heard from a speaker to say that said, learning to have sex from watching porno is like learning to drive from watching The Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's not realistic. It's a fantasy. But how, how do children know anything different? Right? And so... Well, and not only that, you couple that with the fact that we, we seemingly refuse to talk to them about it. Yeah. We don't want to educate them about right. it. But they what have this information that's doing mm-hmm. it for us. And so what does a healthy relationship look like? There are no healthy relationships pro- portrayed in uh, pornography. Nope. And it's also very formulaic. Mm-hmm. It's always... Often, I can't say always, it's often um, tailored from a male's perspective and it's very formulaic, like yeah. it's supposed to look this certain way. And so all of a sudden when, when men and women come together to have sex and they realize this isn't like pornography, then there's something wrong with us. Right. It's like actually there's something right with you. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to look like pornography. Right. Um, but people are challenged by that. Yeah, I agree. How do you feel just in in general about pornography? I think that that's a really difficult subject for me because um, I almost see that there could be, um, and I don't know this at all, but I do think it might help. I I can't imagine that it doesn't help people to some degree. You know, there are all different shades and types of Mm -hmm. pornography. Mm -hmm. There's some that is just, I mean, it's nuts. And some of it, that's not so crazy. Yeah. but I can't, I can't, 
I can't sit here and say that it's all bad, that it's all negative, but I also think that it depends on the person that's watching it and the reasons that they're watching it. And I, I also agree with you that in the hands of adolescents or children that are learning about sex, Mm -hmm. it cannot possibly be good in that in but that it's, situation it's more like it's very it's a very slim filtered way to look at sex when there's so much more about sex that they won't learn right, from, yeah. from pornography i see what you're saying yeah yeah and and absolutely i have no judgment in terms of pornography if it's good or bad but it's more what's the purpose here yeah. if someone is learning to have sex by watching pornography their views are going to be very limited mm-hmm and um, women will typically say to men, we don't want to be treated the way that the women in pornography are treated during yeah, and sex. Sub- and subconscious as well, too, because you're, you're watching that and not even realizing the information that you're, that you're absorbing. And mm-hmm. this, like you said, it's all done from a male's vantage point. Mm-hmm. It's all very formulaic. And mm-hmm. you're watching this over and over for a kid or someone that's not really paying attention to it, you don't even realize that you're absorbing this information about how sex should be. Not only absorbing, but having the gratification of an orgasm mm-hmm. after that. That's the positive feedback loop. Oh, I'm watching yeah. this and I'm being gratified with an orgasm after that reinforces it, right? And so it's to say, this is something that I'm going to be seeking now. So is that good or bad? The good or bad, I think, conversation really comes into couples' relationships where is this working for you is this not working for you? Right. Like, does watching pornography increase your intimacy and connection or does it decrease it? Do couples feel the need? And that'll be different for everybody. Of course. Mm -hmm. And does, does a person feel the need to hide the pornography use from their partner and what barriers will that will that cause in their trust well that certainly is no good what if we were to open it up for conversation and so um with adult couples navigating that in a safe place is important um yeah i will just generally say when it comes to children they don't have the tools to be equipped to differentiate what's healthy I didn't or even not healthy spend time for them. T- I hadn't, I mean, you, you don't think about these things. I hadn't even thought about that. Man, I've, just a cell phone. Just, yep. they get a cell phone mm-hmm. and it's over. They have everything. <laughs> you know, all of the little things that you try to hide from them in the past or that my parents probably tried to hide from me when I was a young mm-hmm. kid. That's the not even, po- that's, yeah, yeah that, that's not even possible anymore. Mm-hmm. It is I not possible. That. I still remember going to my, one of my best friends, David, I, I still remember going to his house and I'm going to put him on blast. I don't care. <laughs> Hi, David. Whatever. Hey, David. How you doing? <laughs> and David remembers this. We had Playboys, and we mm-hmm. would hide them. We, he had a little clubhouse that we built, and we would hide them in that clubhouse. Yeah. And you know, you're little kids, and you're like, oh, wow, check this out. This mm-hmm. naked girl, like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. And we're all sitting there flipping through the book together, like, because we'd never seen, you know, a naked woman before. Yeah. And you're getting this information from this book, mm-hmm. but it's a still picture. And it's uh, ultimately on Playboy, it was just a naked woman. Mm-hmm the naked form Mm -hmm. and that was exciting enough for us then who knows what that was teaching us about women they're still very much objectified and yada yada yada. women's bodies look this way exactly or women's bodies look this way this Mm -hmm. is the 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 acceptable form i Mm -hmm. guess is what we were what we were absorbing if i could use any word and i remember i think david got caught and his his mother found the books and threw them away or something i can't remember that to me at that time was crazy that we were hiding that 
Now kids don't have to hide anything. Mm-hmm. It's just on their on their phone. Delete history. Delete history, and it never happened. Mm-hmm. And they're at a very very young age mm-hmm. getting all of this information. Yeah. And they don't actually have the skills to differentiate. They don't have no guidance right or to wrong differentiate. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. or what they, what actually, I mean, whatever aligns with their values or doesn't. And and with pornography, I think you know it's it's one of those things with healthy adults um, that understand their sense of self and their values. It's like okay, there's a playground here. We can pick and choose. There's some exciting things that we can learn or we can experiment with. And with children, it's a little bit different because, um, I mean, science shows that with drugs, um, you know, if a person is using drugs, they would want more drugs. Mm -hmm. But with children viewing pornography, they don't want more pornography. They want different pornography. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so the the satiation is with um, diversity. And so that may bring them to a place that they have never navigated in, that they don't know how to grasp, and um, but they're too shame, ashamed to talk to an adult about it. And then they have to hold on to that. And that's not fair. That yeah, they have no to way. hold on to it by themselves. No way. And, and feel... Um, I mean, there's no, there's, no, there's no telling what a kid that age... Uh, or any age would be thinking and to feel trapped in a sense of maybe particularly having questions yeah. and wanting to ask their parent but feeling mm-hmm. like I can't I, I can't say anything yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is right I don't know if this is the way it's normal? supposed to be or if yeah. this is normal uh, I like what I see mm-hmm. I don't like what I see mm-hmm. who do I talk to about yeah. this and the answer to me what I've seen overwhelmingly seems to be nobody you don't talk to anybody yeah. about it you don't share your feelings mm-hmm. about it. You don't discuss it. You pretend it never happened. You suppress it. Just shove it way deep down inside and let it be a problem way down the road. Yeah, until you're in a relationship until you're where you in a really care about someone mm-hmm. and it comes up. Whereas with healthy adults, we can we can talk about it. It's like, I like that aspect. I yeah. didn't like that aspect so much. Let's try this that mm-hmm. I saw, but let's can we not do that other thing oh, that yeah. they were doing? Healthy adults can have conversations like that, whereas children are much more limited. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah, I think that conversation, God, is, is just limitless. I <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to be said too about um, culturally where we what we learn when we're younger from our culture. I think for me as as a Mexican male, uh, there's a sense of of that kind of macho personality that we're supposed to, not supposed to necessarily, but that we are almost brought up with. Mm-hmm. We see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's modeled for it's you. It's modeled for us, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of talking about sex and the idea about discussing what pleases your partner mm-hmm. is, dude, there's no freaking way. You're going to talk about that with yep. your buddies or your friends mm-hmm. or anything. You're going to be and the truth, of the joke. Not only that, but in truth, it's almost one of those things where I feel like uh, culturally it can be, like it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what, oh, what that yeah. person thinks. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether she likes it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. just, I, that. I don't know. That's maybe sad. I'm completely off here and maybe some people are going to get offended, but that's just the way that I feel. I feel like uh, definitely there's... That's what you see. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really fortunate, although I loved the way that I was raised and I, I love being from the Rio Grande Valley and I love having been um, 
raised, not raised, but been a part of the Mexican culture when we were in Matamoros, when we lived in Brownsville, even though we were in Texas, it was pretty much Mexico. Uh, I love everything about the way I was raised and what I learned, but I'm also really thankful that I left and that I'm in Austin because it just opened my mind completely to so many different ideas. And such a big part of my personal development is realizing that, yes, that's the way I was raised, that is what I, ta what I was taught, this is what I know, but look at this vast world out here that it just has so much information. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been just an unbelievable journey being here and, and learning from, from everything, from my experience at UT and, and just being a professional here in the city of Austin. What a better, there cannot be a better place for there to be a, a wealth of information and diverse ideas and viewpoints, I feel like. I love this place. Yeah, and I think this place loves your openness, Alex. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, Ma, I think we're going to close it off there. Sure. I, I cannot tell you how uh, thankful I am that you came. Oh. I honestly think that w there is a lot of, a lot of uh, conversations for us to have. And um, there are a few other things that we can discuss when you come back. and. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully I'll get some more people in here. I have a, a good friend of mine uh, that I trained, Carly. She's a tarot card reader. Oh, interesting. And she is um, a dance instructor as well. She uh, teaches belly dancing. And Very cool. she's the most fascinating girl mm -hmm. in the world. She's so interesting. She has all of these really cool perspectives about life and energy. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that she wants to be on the podcast and come in and talk to everybody. So I'm looking forward to having her on here. Uh, and if you know anybody that I can talk to as well, I really want to talk to someone about addiction. Okay. I want to talk to somebody about mm -hmm. getting over, uh, or not necessarily getting over, but just experiencing addiction, dealing with it, accepting mm -hmm. it. Uh, I know that I have my vices, I have my addictions, and I'm trying to do at least my part in dealing with one of them, which is alcohol. I think it's mm -hmm. alcohol has been an addiction of mine for, I don't know, since I was 18 years old. I don't think I've gone more than two or three weeks without alcohol since I was 18. And I am now on day 33. I think it's day 33. No alcohol. Good for you. Um, and I feel great. Mm -hmm. I don't find myself missing it. I'm about to go meet up with a couple of friends of mine that are doing uh, a draft party. I think that's what you said your husband is, right? Yes. He's at a, at yeah, a draft party. Yeah, fantasy. Yeah. So cool. I'm going to a draft party right now. And these are all my old college buddies, and they're all going to be drinking and, and the typical, you know, uh, event when you get together with your old college buddies. So mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll have plenty to say when they find out that I'm not drinking today. Um, and I know, I know I'll get past it, but, but it's certainly something that I want to talk to someone about yes. is how to, how to deal with it and experiences that they've been through. Yeah, and I think connect you with some, some good people, and at the same time, good for you for being courageous and being resilient. Mm-hmm. I'll continue to try to be courageous and resilient, and I hope that everybody else uh, out there is too. I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Melody, do you want to tell people where they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, best way to find me is through my website, melodylee.com. That's Lee with L-I, so M-E-L-O-D-Y-L-I.com. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good evening. Bye. Peace. <laughs>